It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our latest podcast. Now, the winter meetings were complete a couple of days ago, but we still have some content I wanted to share with you. Uh, So on the podcast today, kind of of a potpourri of things as we close out the week on this Friday. One, we haven't had a conversation with Kevin Ibach since he was promoted to vice president within baseball operations. And Kevin is involved in a lot of the pro scouting work, and he's also involved in a lot of the trade discussions. So I sat down with him in San Diego about his new role, or at least his new title, and we discussed that and a whole lot more. You'll hear from him in a little bit. Now, also in uh, San Diego at the winter meetings was uh, a pair of um, events tied to the WBC, or at least a pair of interviews I did tied to the WBC. They had kind of a media event. You know, Rodney Linares is going to be the manager of the World uh, Baseball Classic Dominican Republic team. And so I had a chance to sit down with former Ray Nelson Cruz, who oversees that team, and we chatted a little bit about Rodney and also about uh, Nelson's future, too. And and the manager of Team Italy, or a a co-manager with uh, Hall of Famer Mike Piazza, is one Blake Butera, who coached for the managed the Charleston River Dogs, the top team in the minor league baseball this year. So I, I sat down with Blake about that wonderful opportunity. Uh, but we'll start our podcast with Kevin Ibach uh, as we chat a little bit about uh, his new role and, and how different it may be. Thanks for having me, Neil. Um, it's been great. It's been busy. I think uh, a lot of people don't realize how busy the offseason gets. And, you know, after that last game in Cleveland, you have 48 hours to regroup and um, certainly just trying to prepare for next season and hope that we can uh, put together and assemble a team that um, is competitive again. And I think that work starts right away. So being out here in San Diego right now is kind of the culmination of a lot of hard work over the last month, really, um, on the free agent front, on the trade front, and um, you know, just no rest for the weary. So, uh, so trying to get up and get running and uh, have a better opportunity to uh, play deeper into October next year. As I mentioned, you were promoted. So what does the vice president's role mean? What is different about what you did before compared to what you do now? Sure. I think the title certainly is a little bit different, you know, appreciative of the promotion and, um, you know, at this point in my career. But I think my day-to-day operations won't change all that much. I'm still going to be very heavily involved in the external acquisition process. So the trade market, the free agent market, um, overseeing our pro personnel and our pro scouting group. that, that's been a part of my job now for a better part of the decade here. Um, also, with the internal prospects and just trying to value our own players um, going, uh, you know, potentially being involved in trades, uh, it's a continuation of involvement in player development and, um, you know, the evaluation of our landscape internally so we have a better, better idea of our players and where they stack up, um, you know, to the industry as a whole. From your standpoint, with you know, with that, are you handling more trade talks with teams than you did before? How many maybe were you talking to before and how many do you do now? 
Sure. I, I think, you know, for the last year, a couple years, I would say, um, you know, Eric's been wonderful. He, he's, he's a great delegator when it comes to trade talks, when it comes to free agent signings. So uh, for a couple years now, I've run point on a lot of um, trade talks. A lot of the trades that have come to fruition uh, are trades that I've been fortunate enough to run point on. Um, and then also the free agent pursuits. Um, being talking to agents, um, you know, dealing with the back and forth, taking it back to a group. Uh, we always, you know, try to come to a consensus before we make any trade or sign any free agent. Um, but just having some autonomy to, uh, you know, to run point on those deals, I think is important. It's something that even, you know, predating the the title change um, was something that I was heavily involved with. And this is probably more reflective of my responsibilities now. As you take a look at the big picture, um, with some of the signings that have occurred at the winter meetings, it seems like the high end of the market is even higher than maybe uh, would have been anticipated. Does that trickle down, and how does that affect the race? Yeah, I think, you know, when I first started here years ago, it was almost the winter meetings was just the start of talks and the start of discussions on any sort of player. And we we kind of took the philosophy of letting the market come to us. And we had a lot of signings early on that were, you know, in later December, January, certainly after the winter meetings. I think in the last couple of years, at least with the trades and the, and the free agent markets, um, you know, that I've been involved with, a lot of those talks have to happen before the winter meetings. So we have GM meetings uh, several weeks ago in Vegas where a lot of these uh, talks started there, um, you know, and spending time, basically the meetings before the meetings, um, you know, is, is an area, a period of time where I think you can really get a feel for the market. And the market can go a lot of different directions as the offseason evolves, and I think you're seeing that here in San Diego a little bit, but just getting an idea of what your priorities are and trying to be, um, you know, one of the first teams in there, Some of the, especially on the free agent side, some of this is a recruiting process and because of that you you want to be one of the first teams to speak to an agent to speak to a player um, you know and and let them know because there's a comfort factor in addition to a dollar factor at the end of the day and um, you know that recruiting process has to start taking place a little bit earlier than maybe it did five or six years ago and you have to do that not knowing how the market is going to play too correct correct and and i think in, in some cases it, Time has shown us that as weeks drag on, and if you're not able to close a deal early on in the offseason, the market grows at a point where you're no longer a player. You know, we have we have certain limitations on on where we'll go with money and years on contracts, and sometimes the market dictates that you know, that you're going to surpass those those standards pretty easily. Um, so I think getting in there early, you know, whether it was Michael Waka a couple years ago, um, you know, that was one that, you know, talking to the agent early, it was it was very much a scenario where we could we could close that deal, not knowing where the market might lead after that. Um, and sometimes in, in hindsight, you might have jumped the market a little bit too early. But I think in most cases that what we've seen the last few years is the market just continues to grow as the offseason evolves. It can go the other way, though. I mean, Jason Adam is a guy who kind of fell to you at the end. How much of that also plays into offseason? season strategies and seeing which guys are starting to fall. Sure. I think you have to take a look at the market as a whole and see where there's depth in certain demographics. And if it's a reliever market um, where you're going to have some of the premier free agents sign fairly early, then you can wait it out and you might have some targets that are underappreciated in general by the industry that still may be around in January or February. I think last year was really unique, especially in Adam's case with the lockout. Um, you know, there's a certain segment of players that were delayed making a decision and they wanted to make a decision kind of coming out of the back end of that. Um, and it actually benefited us. Uh, we had some 60-day spots that were opened up and we were able to become more aggressive in January and February than we would have been in November. 
November or December. Which you probably will be able to do again because the expectation is Andrew Kitchard, Shane Boz will be on the 60-day to start the year. Sure, and I think having that roster flexibility, knowing that when you're talking to an agent, especially if you're talking about a player that whether they come on a non-roster deal or they come on a back end of a 40-man deal, having a light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, and knowing that they have a legitimate chance to break break camp with our team because you know of our roster management and the, the slots that we may have to play with in March, that's really important. I think explaining that to both the player and the agent and kind of guiding them through. I think transparency is really important in all this. The last thing we want to do is, is present an opportunity in November that's not going to be there in March. You mentioned at the top of this evaluating the race prospects. How much harder is that to do now than it was a few years ago? Because I keep hearing the gap between AAA and the big leagues is growing, not shrinking. Yeah, I think it's really interesting with with the new minor league structure. Um, you know, not only is the gap between AAA and, and, and major league you know changing and evolving, but I think even something without short season baseball, evaluating prospects earlier um, in their careers and how they're doing in the complex league, how they're doing in low A ball. I think the context has changed certainly in the last couple of years, and we've noticed that externally going out and being able to acquire a Junior Caminero, a Curtis Mead very early in their career. We've had a lot of success in getting that player very early on. Um, but the same thing holds true for us. When teams come and ask for our players who are you know, in the Florida Complex League or in Charleston, we have to know those players better than anybody so that we're not including them in a deals that we may come to regret in a, in a few years. So it's, it, it really works both ways. And from the AAA level, how hard is it to evaluate uh, because of the difference in velocity that you may see at the big league level and maybe some of the spin rates and the breaking balls that you're going to see at that level, the consistency of it, to, to evaluate a young hitter because a lot of the young hitters for the race had a tough time adjusting this year. Sure, we talk about that a lot, and I think that the speed of the game is something we always refer to as, you know, when you have the extra deck in the stadium at the major league ballparks and you have louder crowds and there's just more engagement in the game it's natural for a player to speed up their process and you may see a level of comfortability in the box at AAA that you may not see in the big leagues and you know there's going to be an adjustment period and you know some of the best players in the game I think of a Julio Rodriguez with Seattle that had to make some adjustments from early on in the season to where he was at the end of the season and finished very strong but every player has to go through it and they're all unique they're all gonna they're all gonna make those adjustments at different times I know last year I'm sure some of the fans would have liked to see some of our offensive prospects make those adjustments a little bit sooner. But it's it's one of those things that we have to gauge their readiness and preparedness for the big leagues, but then also understand that there are going to be some ebbs and flows in terms of their development. We, we use the phrase a lot that development's not linear, and that certainly holds true at the big league level. How do you view the rule changes and the way they'll impact the young players for the Rays, positively or negatively, at the big league level? I think time will tell. I think you know all the all the rule changes, everything that will be implemented this year will be an adjustment for for veterans as much as it will be, you know, for rookies. I certainly some of the changes that were implemented at AAA the past year, um, some of the experimental things that have been done at the minor league system. One thing that comes to mind is the pitch clock. I think you saw last year when when players came up to the big leagues that had spent significant time in Durham, they worked quicker on the mound. I know uh, Kevin Cash has spoken about that. Just the pace of the game from a pitcher that came up from Durham versus a pitcher that had been in the big leagues all year. It was very noticeable. It was noticeable for us in AAA when we went and scouted Durham. Um, so certainly it, it's some of those things take time. I think some of those will um, positively impact. Some of them will negatively impact. But I think 
however you look at it, there will be an impact. And I think that's what's, that's the wild card in all of this is exactly how that will pan out positively or negatively for the player. And you mentioned veterans and how the rules may impact them. You now have a veteran in the front office in John Daniels. How have you gotten to know him over the last couple of weeks and how helpful can he be to you in your growth? Sure, I had, a, I had the pleasure of speaking with John kind of during the interview process, you know, months ago uh, while we were still playing baseball at the Trop. And um, it was fun. I, I really, we had a wonderful discussion that lasted throughout the game and in our suite and um, <clears throat> just talk shop, talk, uh, you know, talked about different perspectives because I think everything is seen through the lens a lot of times of you only work for the Rays. We have some people here who've only worked for the Tampa Bay Rays, and they see things, you know, very similar. Um, you know, at different decision points. And to talk to someone who's run an organization from afar and may have done things differently over there, it's always good to get that added perspective from the other side of things. And um, John's here at the at the winter meetings right now, and um, you know, sits in the suite. And I, I think just having that sounding board and having someone to run ideas off of, it's. It's wonderful, and I, I know this is my 23rd year in baseball, and I wish I had more of those people around you know, in the infancy of my career um, to really ask those questions and, and, and try to appreciate other perspectives. I'll continue to do that and take advantage of the fact that John's now part of the Rays, and uh, best of luck this offseason as the Rays try and add on. Great. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. That's Kevin Eibach, and we certainly appreciate his time on the podcast today. I mentioned earlier the uh, World Baseball Classic had a media event in San Diego where I chatted with Kevin, and there were obviously representatives from every single team, including the Dominican Republic. Uh, their manager is going to be Rodney Linares. We've talked to Rodney about it, but I had a chance to sit down with uh, Nelson Cruz, who uh, oversees that team, and uh, asked him a little bit about uh, that decision to bring Rodney on board. Well, that was one of the reasons why I chose him, you know. I got a chance to be with him and uh, first-hand experience the, the relationship that he had with the players, um, the way he takes care of players. Um, he knows the game. He understands situations of, of the game when, when, when it calls. Um, and I know the, the type of person that he is, so that was an easy call. What's it been like working with him the last few weeks and, and preparing to try and put together the team you guys have? Well, you see baseball, uh, I guess, from the other angle, is it's, it's kind of like interesting, you know, to see how everything developed, um, uh, meetings about players, meetings about um, strategies of the game, um, about uniforms, <laughs> uh, you can mention on and on. You know, you try to uh, build a team from from the bottom. It, uh, it's crazy, and a talented team too. Yeah, yeah, that's a good problem. Good problem to have. What's the hardest part? Do you think having been a player managing a team that's really talented and keeping everyone on the same page? At the end of the day, I believe is um, keep everybody together. You know. Um, when you have so many stars, it's like a all-star game. You know, you don't know who you're gonna start the game that day. Um, uh, the good thing about us, because we love uh, the game and we love our country so much, um, um, they're all in in any roles that you put it on. So uh, it makes it makes it easy for, for us from the manager uh, perspective. And tell me what, you know, you talked about the person that Rodney is, but what do you think will make him also, a, you know, he's a bench coach for the Rays too, really good in the role as the manager of the group. Well, he got the experience, you know. Um, I believe that, that he's well prepared for that the job, and 
uh, I just wish the best for him, you know. Can I ask about you too? Because I know you had eye surgery. How are things recovering? And what's your plans for next year once we get beyond the WBC? The eyes are good, man. Uh, I got a few calls already. Uh, hopefully, I make the right call and decide where to go. Um, and uh, I love the game. I want to keep playing, yeah. How much longer? I don't know. I, I, I will decide after this season, too. Good stuff from Nelson Cruz, and we certainly hope he is playing another season if he so desires. I know he had LASIK surgery in the offseason and certainly uh, looks the part that he can still play the game, and, and we'll find out soon if he gets that opportunity. Uh, as far as Team Italy goes, they are co-managed by Mike Piazza and Blake Butera, who, of course, is uh, was the Charleston River Dogs manager this past year. So I had a chance to talk to Blake about what that means to him to be uh, co-managing Team Italy. Yeah, it's really exciting. You know, uh, John Marco and, and Mike reached out uh, right around the time of spring training um, to ask if I was interested. And right away, you know, my family's ties to Italy and, you know, my parents have a strong passion for Italy and they've kind of brought us up with that Italian passion of, you know, food and travel. And uh, so having the opportunity to represent uh, the country of Italy was like a no-brainer for me. And to co-manage with Mike Piazza, what have the conversations been like between the two of you? Uh, they've been really, you know, outstanding. Uh, Mike's been as good as he, as you can get um, a, in terms of a, a friend, a coworker, and a mentor. Um, just, you know, just being here today. Uh, he wanted me to, to, you know, have this opportunity to be here. He's like, you know, I've done this before. This is better for you um, and at your stage of your career. Um, and he's, you know, he's been great to bounce ideas off of, especially with the, the background that he has as a player and then also still working in the front office with the Mets. Like, it's just uh, invaluable. As someone who is probably one of the younger managers to advance to where you have, is there a, the baseball fan, the 10-year-old Blake Butera, that appreciates the chance to work with Mike Piazza? Oh, 100%. You know, right away, the, I think the first thing I brought up, I had to stop myself, but I was like, that World Series when, uh, when Clemens threw the bat at him after he broke his bat, and right away he started going off on a tangent about that and just started laughing, and I'm like, man, that's, you know, it's just really cool to be able to, you know, be there with Mike, and especially the trip we went on in Italy last month um, where, you know, he took us to his hometown. We went to his house, and he had us over, and it was really interesting. What was that trip like, and how much did it kind of make this all that much more real? Yeah, so John Marco lined up all this. Um, we had about 13 players and our full staff, our full coaching staff over there, um, early November and we started in Rome for three days we did some private tours we went to a, a football game over there we call soccer uh, which was really exciting and interesting and our players enjoyed it um, and then we went up through Tuscany and Florence uh, we visited um, the Ferrari uh, where, where they make the cars and had some really incredible meals and ate way too much um, and had a few workouts together and you know it was a really good opportunity for the staff to get together and the players to form some relationships had you you mentioned your family enjoys travel and appreciates the culture had you personally been to italy before all of that and how many times if so yeah so i had been to uh, italy one time prior to going this past november um I, I, and i enjoyed it so much that i actually proposed to my my wife there um <laughs> and um yeah just Anytime you go over there, it's, it's, it's better and better each time. It's, it's awesome. Tell me what it means that the Rays are backing you in doing this. 
Yeah, first off, that was the first thing that John Marco and Mike both asked. They're like, you know, talk to the organization, make sure it's okay with them. And, you know, right when I brought the the idea up to Jeff and MJ and Al, like they were 100% do it. You know, and they, they want me to do it. They want me to have the experience, which just, you know, it says it's, it's what they've done my entire career. They've always had my back, and they want me to, to – continue to grow as a as a person and as a leader and i think this is only going to help uh not only my career but um our organization managing in the minor leagues you're managing for development and to win here you're managing to win how different will that be yeah we're, we're just trying to win here right <laughs> yeah um no it's going to be a lot different but it's it's also exciting you know i've 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 coached winter ball two years already so i've kind of gotten a taste of um playing to win every day you know you you win at all costs you you play matchups you do the you know the mixing and matching of, of personnel in order to win the game and that's kind of what it boils down to in this tournament setting what's the travel schedule and how does that like when when do you leave when do you come back to spring training what's that all going to be like for you so i'm still waiting to kind of hear where we're going to be for spring training first right like you know the the hurricane obviously had some some other plans in mind for where we'll be um so once we that, get that sorted out We'll see how the end of February shakes out, but March 1st, our plan is to fly from L.A. to Taiwan, where we'll be for our first pool. Uh, and then game one is March 9th. March 9th in Taiwan, game one. And then if we come in first or second in that pool, we advance to Tokyo. And I think the tournament, the last day it can go is March 21st, would be the final game in Miami. And beyond that, you were part of a team that was just recognized in the minor leagues for being the top team in all of minor league baseball this year, right? Yeah, really exciting. You know, couldn't be happier for, for our staff and, and the organization, the players. Um, you know, from day one through through the end of the season, we felt we had a really good team and a really good group of players and staff. They got along well, and I'm just so happy for them to, to, to get the honor they deserve. How many of them have reached out to you, or did they all know about all this, and how has that kind of followed through with you? Yeah, so... Um, you know, every staff member reached out right away. I think Carson Williams was the first player that reached out, I think, before it was even announced. And I'm like, you're not supposed to know this already. Uh, but, no, all those players were so excited. You see it all over social media. Uh, the staff was, was so excited. And also all of our coordinators and um, other managers and coaches throughout the organization just all reached out saying congratulations. But at the end of the day, this is a – this is an accomplishment for our whole organization. I think three out of the last four years, the team of the year has been in the Rays organization. I want to say 2018 or 19 was Bowling Green. Last year was Durham, and then this year is Charleston, which just it goes to show how 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 exciting and how deep our our organization is. So, who are the players that we know? Carson Williams is obviously more of a household name as a former topic, but who is the name or names that people should know more about? and maybe aren't getting that same attention because you were with them all year. Yeah, I think one that's going to come up um, that we, we fortunately got a little bit of time to spend at the end of the year with was Junior Caminero, um, and that's a really exciting player. I know he's over in Australia right now playing. It looks like he's having a lot of success, which doesn't surprise me. Great kid, awesome work, uh, work habits, and um, the, the sky is the limit for him in terms of, of uh, capability and talent. Well, happy holidays. Enjoy this time here at the, for the WBC event, and good luck in Italy, or good luck in Taiwan with Italy. Thanks, Neil. Great seeing you out here, and uh, look forward to That's it. That's Blake Butera, and good stuff from him on the WBC. And there are a lot of other Rays 
uh, members of the organization that are going to be part of the World Baseball Classic, and we'll probably have a future podcast on that alone. Certainly appreciate the time of Blake Butera and wish him a whole lot of luck with Team Italy of the WBC, and we thank Blake and all of the guests on our program today, including Rays Vice President Kevin Eibach, talking about his new role with the organization and how it's gone so far, as well as former Ray Nelson Cruz, who of course heads up the Dominican Republic team for the WBC, touching base on where he's headed and also Rodney Linares being the manager of the Dominican Republic team. Uh, next week, Zach Eflin's signing will become official, so we'll have a podcast with him and a whole lot more. We certainly thank you for listening. You can always check out our blog, raiseradio.mlblogs.com, to find out more and more analysis on what's going on with Tampa Bay. Thanks so much for being with us. We will chat with you soon. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.